Well, good morning, everyone. Did you know that we are only seven days away from Christmas? Okay, I got a woo-woo. Uh, is, is anyone, like, pumped up for Christmas? Anyone excited? Some of you, I know you... I know, when the pastor says that, you're supposed to, and you're in church, you're like, I'm supposed to say woo, especially when he says it the second time, right? Like, the, I get it, it's okay, I understand. Because the truth is that some of us, we've been baking cookies, and we're like, I'm so excited to eat these cookies. And some of us, we've been baking cookies, and we're like... Oh, I'm so tired of baking cookies. Some of us, you know, we're excited because we have a present that we really want to give someone or something that we're really hoping for. And others of us are like, oh, presents are expensive. Uh, and so, you know, depending on, on how the season is going for you, it can change the way that you feel about it. And I, I totally get that. I totally understand that. Uh, and so I want to ask you this question because we have been, over the last four weeks, preparing our hearts for Christmas. That's what the season of Advent is all about. We spent four weeks getting our hearts ready to celebrate Jesus' birthday. And so uh, on a scale, this is, I know this is a weird way to ask the question, but on a scale of Scrooge to Buddy the Elf, how excited are you? And I don't want you to like raise your hand. This isn't a guilt trip, okay? It's really just we're checking in. We're just checking in. On a scale of Scrooge to Buddy the Elf, now, uh, and Charlie Brown, of course, is in the middle. Now, Scrooge, of course, he's, he's just not feeling super great about Christmas, okay, you know, bah humbug, and uh, and all of that, and uh, but on the other end, Buddy the Elf. I mean, okay, guys, I I thought about showing Buddy the the Elf, you know, screaming about Santa coming to town. You know the classic clip, right? And by the way, did you know that that movie was made in 2003? So I think we actually can call it a classic now. Like that's. It's getting old, okay, uh, but it's still a good one. And if you haven't seen it, get with it. But if you have seen it you know that scene where Santa's coming to town. He just goes wild. He's just, he's like about bursts into song. He's like screaming. It's like, Santa, I know him. Like, it, it, it's just, oh man. And, and Buddy the Elf, he's like a child at Christmas, but an adult, and I think that's why we love him. And so, uh, and then of course there's Charlie Brown kind of in the middle. You remember the Charlie Brown Christmas special where he's like, oh, Linus, you know, I really like the gifts. I really like the cards. I really like time with family. I, I like all the Christmas stuff, but for some reason, my heart's just not in it. For some reason, it, I don't know, it feels like there's something's missing. I guess I just don't really know what it's all about. Good grief. So where are you on a scale of Scrooge to Buddy when you think about Christmas? And, and it probably depends on your circumstances. How'd things go financially for you this year? How... how is, is this a year where someone who you didn't think would be around the table, they still get to be around the table? Or maybe someone you hoped would be around the table, they don't get to be around the table. The circumstances, they can change how we feel about it, right? Our circumstances, and, and really, there isn't a right or wrong answer to this. It just kind of says, this is where I'm at, probably mostly based on your circumstances. But let me ask you a more important question than are you excited about Christmas? On a scale of Scrooge to Buddy the Elf, how excited are you about Christ these days? How, I, I mean, how excited, like, when you think of Jesus, does it make you just want to erupt in song, like it's a musical or something? You know, does it make you, make you want to just, like, scream, I know him? You know, like, is it, is it one of those, those things that, for you, the joy, it just fills you up and it just overflows? Or maybe you're like Charlie Brown, 
And it's like, I know that Jesus deserves to be praised. But even as we're singing those songs earlier in the service about Jesus and how great he is, and, you know, I, maybe there's just something wrong with my heart this Christmas. I, I just, it's like there's this disconnect between what I know about God and what I'm feeling towards him or about him. Or maybe, maybe you're feeling a little more like Scrooge. And the truth is you're not super happy with God right now. He didn't answer your prayer the way that you had hoped or things didn't go the way that you had hoped. And it's like, when, when are you going to show up for me like you showed up for them? And here's the thing is I know when you're in church and the pastor's talking about this, the, probably the assumption is, well, the pastor wants us all to be Buddy the Elf all the time, ready to break out in song and dance and scream about Jesus. But I'd be lying to you if I said that that was how I live my life. In fact, I don't even think it's realistic for any of us. I think on the other side of heaven, like when we're there and we can see Jesus face to face, I think like we'll live in a constant state of Buddy the Elf. It'll be great. It'll be grand. It'll be glorious. But the truth is on this side of heaven, we all have moments where maybe there's some Buddy the Elf moments. Maybe there's a lot of Charlie Brown moments, and if I'm being honest with you, there's days where I wish that God would have done it different. There's days where I'm a little upset with him. There's days where the burden of life makes me wonder if, if he cares. And there isn't really anything wrong with that. It's a normal human experience. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you a person. But it's kind of a bummer, right? Like when Christmas comes and everyone's like la-di-da and the, the cookies are being made and the tree is up or the, you know, all, all the different things of Christmas and, and wah-wah. I feel like Charlie Brown or I feel like Ebenezer Scrooge. See, circumstances can change a lot about how we experience God, how excited we feel about Jesus. Now, if there's anyone that really could have a complicated Christmas, a Christmas that maybe they wouldn't feel exactly like Buddy the Elf, wouldn't it be Mary? I mean, imagine it. Like, if you're, if you're Mary and you're a teenage girl, some of you, you, you once were or you currently are, others of you, you never will be. You'll never be a teenage girl. But if you're a teenage girl who ends up pregnant in small town, you know you're in for some drama. Especially when you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Oh, and you know everybody's talking about that. You know, from our vantage point, from our comfortable vantage point, you know, looking back, I mean, like, Mary, man, I don't know if I would have signed up for that gig. I mean, which, which one of us wants to have our child grow up and then die at age 33 while we're standing there witnessing the whole thing? That's, that's not fun. And yet Mary, even though she didn't know about the cross yet, Mary, in the middle of her circumstances, in the middle of her challenges, she has a Buddy the Elf moment. 
and it just erupts from her soul. In fact, there's a song that she sings that many women uh, would sing uh, throughout, throughout the story of scriptures. They would sing a song just like this uh, that was when God was fulfilling his promises through mothers. And we look back on Hannah, we look back on Sarah. And here, Mary sings this song, and, it, and the first line, was sometimes we call it the Magnificat, because she's singing about how magnificent God is, and she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. Everyone say, magnify. magnify. My soul magnifies the Lord. See, why did she magnify the Lord? She didn't sing this song when the angel came and visited her. The angel came and visited her and gave her the news and said, hey, you're going to be pregnant. And she's like, explain this to me. I'm, I'm a virgin. And then she says, the Holy Spirit is going to make you pregnant. And then she's like, okay, well, whatever God wants to do, he's, he's capable of doing. I believe that. Uh, this is weird, but okay. And then he says, and your cousin, remember her, Elizabeth? She has been barren for years and years. She's too old to have kids. But guess what? In her old age... She's had children, or she's going to have a child too. And so Mary, with faith, believes this angel. And, and, but, I mean, if you were Mary, I mean, put yourself in Mary's sandals for just a minute. You wake up the next morning, and you're like, what did I eat? This is weird. This is strange. And so, like any of us, if we were in her sandals, Mary goes to see her cousin Elizabeth. And so she goes to Elizabeth, and, and as Mary arrives where Elizabeth lives, and, and she calls out, Elizabeth! And Elizabeth hears Mary's voice before she can say anything. The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps inside of her. Do you know the baby that was in Elizabeth's womb was John the Baptist? The one who would prepare the way for the Lord. And, and so she turns around with her big pregnant belly because she's months along, okay? And Mary sees the pregnant belly and is like, oh, the angel said that. And then, and then before she can even say the angel said that, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit speaks through her and says, who am I that the mother of my Lord should visit me? And then Mary's like, oh, 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 what is, and she has a buddy the elf moment. Because the, what the angel had told her a few days later, God is affirming again. I make good on my word, God says. And so Mary has this buddy the elf moment and she magnifies the Lord. She gives glory to the Lord. She exalts the Lord. In fact, there's really two definitions of what it means to magnify something. And one of them is very simple. I mean, think of like a magnifying glass. That you use a magnifying glass so that whatever it is that you're looking at, you make it bigger. So you can see it better. You can see it in further detail. You can get up close. The other is... Also relevant to what we're talking about today is that whatever it is, you make a big deal out of it. You magnify it. But I don't know about you, when I'm facing my challenges and I'm facing the, the difficulties in my life, it's really easy, instead of magnifying the Lord, to magnify lots of other things. Maybe you can relate. See, I mean, don't we magnify status? 
all the time. Like, it's just sort of built in, right? It's like, whoa, look at what they drive. Wow, if I could drive something like that, then, well, wouldn't I be someone? People would think something of me anyway. Oh, if I could get in with that friend group. Oh, man, if I someday make that much money. Or if I was promoted to that position. And our status is something that we, we look at and we focus on and and we magnify it, and we make it out to be this, this big thing. And of course, those that have the status that others of us magnify sometimes are like, you know, status is really just responsibility. More money, more problems. See, all these things that we, we seek after it's not that there aren't blessings there. It's not that there aren't, aren't good things there. But, but with our magnifying glass, we, we look at it and it's like, oh, status, that's where life is. Or how about this one, comfort? You know, I, I've decided I uh, am going to stop calling this a phone. And I'm going to start calling it a pacifier. Because this is how I make sure not to cry myself to sleep at night, okay? Like this, this is, we, we get our phones, and, and we know, we know, we're kind of like, yeah, I'm addicted to my phone. It's fine. Is it? Really? Is it fine? Because do you know how many parents I talk to, and this parent too, has to deal with the mom guilt or the dad guilt of, I was scrolling and then my kids had to tell me, hey, would you live life a little bit? Hey, can you put that down and play? What's so important on there, really? Some of us, we, we would never say, well, I, you know, I'm just magnifying comfort. We would say, no, I'm working hard. I'm in the hustle. I, I'm, I'm doing everything that I can to go, 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 and, and to, to achieve and be successful. And I would just ask, why? Well, so I can make the money and then be comfortable. So I can feel significant and then I can be comfortable. Of course, it's also easy to magnify the challenges, right? And you know, it's very easy in a message like this to make it seem like, okay, if we're gonna magnify God, then that means the challenges just don't mean anything. No, they do. But when we magnify God, it, it changes how we approach our challenges. When we magnify God, it changes. And when we magnify our challenges, it consumes us, doesn't it? See, whatever feels most pressing is what we tend to give our most attention to rather than what's our biggest priority. And sometimes what's urgent we give more attention and affection and, and energy and our, uh, space in our brain to the things that feel so urgent. And it's not that they're not. But are you tired of missing it? Are you tired of missing the, the things that matter most? Are you tired of missing the love? I don't know, I am. We magnify ourselves. We don't like to talk about that one, right? Like, we, we wouldn't want to talk about being selfish or anything like that because, well, frankly, it's hard to recognize in the mirror, but when you recognize it in other people, you're like, ew, ew, ew. I mean, can you think of someone you know who's selfish? It's pretty easy. 
And if we're honest, there's one in the mirror too. So we magnify ourselves. You know, I, I think that God uh, put children in my life to show me how selfish I actually am. I thought that I was like, oh, I, I got this. I'm not selfish. And then my kids come into my life and then they're like, we demand things. And I'm like, who are you, okay? You're precious, but you're ridiculous. Now, leave me alone. I don't say this, but I think it. Am I the only one? Is there any other parent that you're just willing to admit? I'm feeling very vulnerable right now, okay? Is there any other parent that's willing to admit like, I just need some space? Okay, all right, thank you. Whew. Okay, here's the one I, I do all the time though. Uh, so I, I'm just gonna talk about me, but maybe you're like me in this one too. I wanna magnify everything. If you took a magnifying glass and you had all the different areas of your life and you were looking at it, for me, I'm like, oh, this is really important, and this is really important, and this is really, and when you focus on one thing, I mean, like, look at this, this woman here, you can see one eye is much bigger because it's magnified, right? One eye, you can see in more detail than the other. In fact, it, it makes the other stuff a little more blurry. And if everything is important, how does the end of that phrase go? If everything's important, then... Nothing's important. No one was like, nothing's important. If, because we do this, don't we? If everything's important, then nothing's important. So if you're trying to look at, in detail at everything, you're like, oh, I just need to magnify everything in my life. And we lift the magnifying glass up higher and higher to try to fit everything in the view. What happens? Everything gets blurry. Or we get rid of the magnifying glass and we look at, we look at our whole life and then we wonder, well, why is it that I... And missing all the depth. Why is it that the details are missing? Why is it that the magnificence isn't there? What did Mary get? Because let's go back to that screen one, one, one more. Go back to that list there. Mary didn't have status. Mary didn't have comfort. She had challenges for sure. But she was in a situation where she didn't have the option of magnifying herself because what could she point to? She was just kind of a no one in the middle of nowhere. Can you name one other teenage girl from Nazareth? Me neither. Can you name the richest person in Nazareth? Me neither. The most popular person? Me neither. I don't know them. So... What did Mary have? Well, she tells us in her song. Let's look at it right here. See, Mary, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And then whenever in the Bible you're reading, you see the word for or therefore, you want to ask, what's that there for? Right? That's a, little, that's a pastor joke. You can giggle, okay? It's okay. Uh, I know it's not that funny. No, it's not. But next time you're reading the Bible, you'll remember it. What's that there for? It's there to show us that this is the reason why she magnifies the Lord. She magnifies the Lord because he, God, took notice. Everyone say, take notice. take notice. Oh, yeah. I love that at 11, you guys have had your coffee, and I don't have to say, no, say it again like you're not Lutheran. And, and then it's, it's wonderful. So I love this service. This is great. So he took notice. And now, how did Mary see herself? Of his lowly servant girl. See, Mary didn't have the status 
And let's be honest, it's not just a couple thousand years ago that the world was telling young girls, well, if you want to be important, if you want to be loved, if you want to be lovable, if you want to be beautiful, here's all the things that you're not and what you need to live up to. It still happens, doesn't it? All the time. And it's not just girls, right? As a youth pastor, I see that, that all the time with everyone. And we don't just leave insecurities in our teenage years, do we? Most of us, we just figure out how to grow numb to them while we go off into adulthood. And then we call that maturity until life squeezes us. And we start to think, that, oh, well, we have things figured out, but really, we've made enough money to be comfortable. Or we've got our life together enough that we don't need God to get us through. And it's so easy to start to forget where all the things came from in the first place. Mary didn't have that option because she was a nobody from nowhere. But now, because God had noticed her, of all people, because God saw Mary and, and, and said, you know what? Um, Mary is the one that's going to be the Messiah mama. Mary was like, wait, me? Have you ever felt like the blessing you've received is just too good to even believe it? This was Mary's view. Some of us, we would say, I don't want Mary's job. That's not, I mean, would, did God ask if Mary wanted this? Oh, but Mary did. Look how she viewed it. She, she viewed it, she says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. All generations will look to me and say, she has an untouchable happiness. This was the most beautiful blessing that any Jewish woman could ever have wished, and she would never have wished it for herself because, well, she's just too much of a nobody. Good thing that God doesn't look at us the way the world does. Good thing God doesn't look at Mary the way the world does. Good thing that God doesn't look at you the way the world does. She goes on in her song and says, For the mighty one, God has all the power, all the might, all the status. He has all the riches. He has everything. There is no bigger deal than God. And Mary recognized, I'm really not that big of a deal. And if we're honest, 150 years from now, none of us will be a big deal to anyone either. Maybe if you do something historic, you could get the, the pristine honor of having your name in a, in a history textbook. Probably won't have those then, but a history textbook. And then you'll really annoy a bunch of junior high kids. They have to write your name on a flashcard. They won't have flashcards either, but they'll write their name on a flashcard. And then they'll memorize you for a test and then throw you away afterwards. Sounds exciting. But Mary, she didn't have the chance to be deceived by that. Because she saw how big God was, how a big deal he was, and, and how she wasn't really that big of a deal. And he has done great things for me. A few verses later in, in verse 54, she says this about God. I love this part. It says, he has helped his servant. Everyone say, helped his servant. Isn't it usually the master that's helped by the servant? 
But Mary got to see what God is like. We have a God who's so magnificent that he looks to those that serve him, that fear him, that honor and respect him, that that love him, and he helps them. He serves them. We have a God that, that he washes the feet of his, the gross, stinky feet. They, now, you might be like, feet are gross. But back then, feet were like walking through the street where animals walked and did business. Gross. Did you, get, did you catch the drift? Okay. Believe me, there was a drift, all right? And, and so he came down, and the God of the universe is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take off my robe, and I'm going to put on the robe of a servant, and I'm going to take your gross, stinky poo feet, and I'm going to scrub them clean. What kind of God does that? Especially to disciples that we're not kings, We're not scholars. He has helped his servant. And you'd figure that Mary would say he's helped his servant Mary. But he says he's helped his servant Israel because Mary saw that God was doing something bigger than just her. Mary saw that God was inviting her into a place of significance in his kingdom. Did you know? Did you know that he remembered to be merciful Not because Mary was perfect, not because Mary was sinless, not because Mary was just, you know, she was good enough to fit the bill. He remembered to be merciful. He remembered to bring the Messiah into the world. He remembered to fulfill all of his promises because of who he is. He's the God that washes stinky feet. He's the the God who helps his servants. He's the God who's so magnificent that he notices those that the world has left out. He noticed Mary, and he called her into a bigger story. And and when history would have forgotten Mary, she would have been just like the other teenagers in Nazareth that you have no idea who they were. But now you do know who she is. Even if you're not a church person, you've heard of Mary, the mother of Jesus, And you know why Mary magnified God? It wasn't because Mary was great. It's because God was great to her. And since it wasn't because Mary was great, it was because of who God was, that means that God sees you that way too. We all know that God would look at Mary and say, Mary, you're a big deal to me. But did you know that God looks at you in the same way? God would say, you're a really big deal to me. I mean, can you see it? Can you see how big of a deal you are to God? When you look at the cross, can you see how big of a deal you are to God? When you magnify all the different things that he does in your life, even amidst the challenges, can you see how important you are to him? How much you matter to him? Mary magnified God because God took Mary, who was not as magnificent as God is, or even many in the world are, and he made her great. He gave her a place. He gave her a voice. Did you notice that in the story, Joseph didn't really get a voice? It was always the man getting a voice. Oh, but God, he exalts the humble. He brings down the proud. And those that would never think it, he makes sure that they know, that you know, that you are a big deal to God. Think of the price that he paid so that you could be together.
Think of, of the, the things that he has forgiven by the death of his son. You're a big deal to God. And Mary saw that she was a big deal to God. And as she did, her heart was filled with his love and it overflowed and she magnified the Lord. She sang her song. She had her buddy the elf moment. I was trying to think of my life. When have I seen something like this? When have I experienced that, that feeling of just like, like how, how God is, is just so in love with me? And immediately I thought of my kids. See, when we got pregnant with Elliot, well, we, I was not pregnant. Michelle was pregnant with Elliot. She did all of the hard work. And, and I mean, can we just be honest? Like, being pregnant is rough. That's a really tough thing. Can I get an amen from all the, all the men? I'm helping you out, men. This is your chance to shine. Don't miss it. Being pregnant is tough, amen? I think they missed it. Women? Can we get an amen that being pregnant is really tough? Yeah. It is. And raising children is tough. Trying to get pregnant can be tough. And sometimes dreams work out. Sometimes they don't. And I, I, re I remember when we got pregnant with Elliot, we were so overjoyed that we actually wrote a song for Elliot. And every night, I would put my face right by Michelle's belly button and I would sing that song to Elliot. And so I will sing it for you now. No, I will not sing it for you now. I will not sing it. If I did, you would say, that's cute. Please stop. Yeah, please stop. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not like the worship team. Okay, I just don't have that voice. But for Elliot, oh, he, he's going to hear it. Even when he's 18, I'm going to sing it to him, okay, uh, and embarrass him every, every chance I get. And so we sang it to him every single night. And when he was born, you know, you know when a baby's born, you want to hear the cry. That's a good sign because that means they've taken their breath and they start to cry. And, and, of course, if you're a baby, that's a really scary moment in life. Thank God we don't remember it, right? But I remember him. He was screaming. I'm like, oh, he's good at that. He's really good at that. And, and so... He's screaming away, and, and so the first thing, we'd made this plan, that the first thing that Elliot would hear would be his song. And as we started to sing the song to Elliot, he went from screaming to calm, totally at peace, hearing his voice, hearing how much his, his daddy and his mommy love him, hearing how much Jesus loves him. He just became so calm in, in the arms of those who care about him, who think that he's a big deal. And he became calm. It, it, it's like the prophet said, and he'll take the light, he being God, he will take the light in you with gladness. With his love, he'll calm your fears. I mean, how, how awesome would that be? To hear the song that God sings over you and for all of your fears to be calmed because God's word says that he will rejoice over you with joyful songs do you, do you know God rejoices over you with joyful songs 
And so when we were pregnant with our second, we, we were like, that was just too great of a moment. We're going to write a song for her too. Besides, it'd be very unfair if she grows up and then, you know, Elliot has a song and she doesn't. So we kind of were forced into it a little bit, but, uh, but we love her and we were excited. And so we write the song and, and it's hers and just hers. And so we sing it to her every night. And, and of course she's born and we hear her crying and we're like, wow, she's really good at that. Maybe even better than her brother. And so... We sing the song, and she keeps crying, <laughs> and crying, and crying. I don't know if she stopped. She's three now. Uh, she just continues to, to do that. It's either crying or screaming, one or the other. And that screaming, um, the crying, didn't change anything about how I felt or how Michelle felt about her. The song, we were still singing it. And I think that whether you are having your fears calmed right now, or whether life has made you scream a little bit, circumstances, right? Doesn't change the song that's being sung over you. And when we lose sight of how big of a deal we are to God, that's when we lose sight of how big of a deal God is. But when we look a little bit closer, when we magnify him, when we take in the, the details of his glory, the details of his love, the details of his cross, we start to hear the song that he sings over us, the love that he has for us. And we realize that it's not just an idea or a thing that we do to have some sort of tradition uh, once a year so that, you know, we all can just like feel good when it's really dark outside. No, he is our heavenly Father, and he is singing a song over you because you are a big deal to him. And so we started with this question. How excited are you about Jesus Christ? The question is a good one for us to ask and to reflect on. You want to know a better one? Because this one determines the answer to the other one. How excited do you think Jesus is about you? When Jesus looks at you, is he like Ebenezer Scrooge? Is he, is he like Charlie Brown? You know, he, he's, you know, up in heaven, heavenly father's just like, hmm, you know, uh, and I don't know what angel, Gabriel, you know, Gabriel, I see him down there and I'm supposed to love him, but I just sin all the time. Do you think that that's what God's doing up there? Well, my heart's just not in it. My friends, I want you to know that God has a Buddy the Elf moment when you walk in the room. I want you to know that God thinks that you are such a big deal that he sings songs over you. I want you to know that when God sees you, yes, he sees the good parts of you and the bad parts of you, but it doesn't change his song. He looks at you and says, you're a big deal to me, even when the world's forgotten you, even when you don't think you're a big deal. You're a big deal to me. And God's the biggest deal of all deals. So what are you going to believe? How excited do you think Jesus is about you? Take a closer look. In fact, four days from now, we're going to be doing all these services. And that's the whole point. To come and 
Let us adore him. To sing joy. Let it erupt from our soul. And so come, take a closer look. Bring others so they can take a closer look and discover how big of a deal you are, they are, we are to this holy God. Amen.